Hi, you guys. CJ Pearson here. Welcome to episode two of the CJ Pearson show right here on Colin or wherever else you get your podcast. iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, Apple, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. We're right here. The CJ Pearson show live and in action. Now, guys, uh, so a little bit of a personal note here. So I'm actually just finished moving. It's why the episode here is a little late. I'm back in Atlanta for the rest of the election season, um, working hard on the ground. And, and some of you guys may know this, but I have been working with Vernon Jones ever since he first decided to run for governor. Now that he is running for Congress in Georgia's congressional district, I've been a part of his campaign helping lead it. And it has been an incredible, incredible opportunity. And when I think about this upcoming freshman class of people in Congress, um, folks like Joe Kent, folks like Vernon, and and so many more people like Blake Masters, J.D. Vance, all these people who really are just really excited because they're just not your typical career politician, not your typical, you know, establishment rhino. These people are America firsters through and through, and I'm so excited to see what's going to, what the next Congress is going to look like because, guys, we've seen uh, for far too long that we have too many Republicans in office who are just very much go along to get along Republicans. They they don't know how to fight. They don't know how to win. They don't have the courage and conviction to stand up and beat the left at their own game. And we need people like the Vernons, like the JDs, like, you know, the, you know, other folks, there, there are many more to name um, who are going to absolutely not relent in defending this country um, in the left's absolute assault on everything that we love and adore about this nation. Uh, Things like an appreciation for freedom, liberty, self-determination, the idea that you shouldn't be punished for working hard and being successful. All of those things, all those parts of our way of life that we enjoy and that we uh, treasure as Americans are poised to end if we don't take back our country, if we don't take back America. And that's exactly why, you know, in this episode, I just kind of wanted to talk about these elections uh, and also too, like the type of people that we should be electing as a whole, as a party, right? Because here's what I see, right? We have, you know, everyone's talking about the Pennsylvania election and how, you know, and of course, in that race, there's Dr. Oz, there's this guy named Dave McCormick, who has some ties to um, President Trump through his, to his wife, who is an advisor in the Trump White House. And then of course, you have the insurgent candidate, Kathy Barnett, who absolutely has taken people by absolute surprise in the fact that like polling literally had her trailing all throughout the race until literally like a week or two ago, when she absolutely searched the second place, just a few points behind Dr. Oz and within the margin of error. Um, so when it comes to whether or not Kathy Barnett can very well be the Republican nominee for senator um, in Pennsylvania, it's looking very much like she very well could be. And and Dr. Oz and all those folks are definitely treating her as a very serious threat, even though they refuse to say her name until literally, again, like last week. Uh, now you have all these random attacks, salacious attacks against her, saying that she's unelectable in the general, that, um, that you know, there are questions about her military service, all of these things, when she has literally been so forthcoming about all of it, she's released all the documents that show she served in the military, she's honorably discharged, all these things, all the basic things that we would expect a Senate candidate to answer, all those questions, she has answered all of them. But yet you have these established people who are just, you know, I don't know, like just trying to go for broke and stop it because they're scared of her, are just making up all these random things, these random attacks that really have no validity and are absolutely not grounded in any bit of truth. And so for me, I almost feel an obligation to defend her because it just seems to me like even though President Trump hasn't endorsed her, he endorsed Dr. Oz because of their friendship and all those things. I feel like a lot of these attacks that people are making against Kathy are the same attacks that people made against President Trump when he ran in 2016. 
oh, we don't know enough about this guy. Look at his history. We don't know, um, you know, whether or not he can be Hillary Clinton. And then we all know how that story ended, right? It ended with a President Trump. It ended with um, Hillary Clinton absolutely not becoming the President of the United States. And so to that, I say that those people were wrong, and maybe they're just as wrong about Kathy Barnett as they were about President Trump. Um, and also, too, I feel as if that Kathy is just an exciting candidate. We need excitement in this party. We need people who can grow the party. We need people who can absolutely just take on the left on their own battlefield and not shed a tear when they do. Um, and Dave McCormick, for all the good that he may have achieved and all the things that his resume may suggest and his ties to the president through people that he's hired and all those things, whatever, I don't know if another hedge fund guy is actually the fire that we need in Washington, right? Like, you know, I just don't. I just really don't. And as far as Dr. Oz, I'll say, you know, maybe if you want to get healthcare advice from that guy, go to him. He's a doctor. He's a heart surgeon. But as far as who I want in the Senate, I just don't think, you know, people are saying, oh, we don't know enough about Kathy Barnett. We don't know enough about Dr. Oz outside of the fact that literally he is, you know, now he says he's conservative. Now he says he's pro-life. Now he says all of these things. Um, but literally on a show, from what I've seen from people, he's talked about transgenderism in a sympathetic way, about, you know, Black Lives Matter in a sympathetic way. And it's just like, wait, so it's like, are you Republican now because you want to be in the U.S. Senate or were you always and have you always been? Um, and I just don't know if I have gotten any answers to that question. Um, with any type of conviction or anything that's really been all that convincing to me, right? Like I've seen, of course, I've followed his campaign and all those things, but I just haven't seen anything that makes me think that, okay, like this is a guy who's not going to get to Washington and absolutely leave us out to dry uh, and betray us. And I don't think that anyone else has seen that. Like in the supporters, I actually don't know anyone who actually supports Dr. Oz. Of course, I'm not in Pennsylvania. Um, so really my entire view of this race is based on, you know, my conversations with people who do live there and, of course, on Twitter. Um, I, I, I just don't know if I know enough about him, right? Like, I feel as if that when I – but who I do know about based on years of tweets before Donald Trump was even the nominee was Kathy Barnett calling out radical Islam. It was Kathy Barnett calling out BLM. It was Kathy Barnett supporting President Trump um, without any without any equivocations, without any apology. And – I think that, you know, you know, I think I said this in the first episode, it's funny that I've used this quote so often, um, but it's, it's just so true and so profound. You know, uh, Maya Angelou said that when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And I think that Dr. Oz has showed us who he is. Kathy Barnett has showed us who she is. And Dave McCormick is doing whatever he is doing. I, I, I just really haven't seen him do much. So what I'm saying there, and, and, and really it's the point that I'm making more broadly here, is that we need to elect America first conservatives, not just Republicans. Seriously, like I'm done with that. I'm actually seriously done with electing just Republicans. Like I actually think that that is a pointless endeavor. I think that, you know, if you want to sit here and tell me that, oh, well, any uh, Mitt Romney is better than any Democrat any given day, I, I think you're a liar because I think that Democrats don't hide the fact that they despise their values. They don't hide the fact that they're working against us every single day. They don't hide the fact that they're, they're working to undo the very seam that tie together America's foundational values. They don't hide it. They're very honest and open about it. Um, but what people like rhinos hide, like Mitt Romney hide, they try to act like they're with you. McCain tried to do the same thing. He tried to act like he's with us, that he you know, shares our plight. He believes in everything that we believe. But in actuality, what we see is that he absolutely doesn't. He cares more about the validation 
from the mainstream media, from the left, from all these people who will always hate him until he died, right? Like they, they will literally hate you no matter how often you betray your own side, your own family. These people will still hate you. They will hate how much you love America. They will hate how much you care about your conservative values and principles. And they will literally smile in your face. And again, like I said, stab you. Um, and that's exactly why, like, I genuinely think that rhinos are worse than Democrats. Because, you know, Liz Cheney, you know, was a loyal soldier in the movement, right? Until she wasn't. Until she decided to indict almost half the country um, for January 6th, calling us all, like, calling everyone terrorists because they supported President Trump um, before she decided to Im- try to impeach President Trump. And now she thinks that she's going to run for president in 2024. Um, like this woman is absolutely delusional and and much like her 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 father is just the same just age old type of republican party that we need to just not even we not not need to jog away from we need to run away from it it's absolutely killing our party it's not the type of party that young people like me want to be a part of it's not the type of party that's going to grow um our base and it's not the type of party that's going to win elections in 2024 and beyond and remain competitive um you know for years to come uh, Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, all those folks, they represent a dying type of conservative, one of which that is more concerned and or actually maybe I should say more fearful about cancel culture than actually doing what the voters of their state, their district elected them to do to actually grow a backbone and fight, fight for the values that they ran on. You know, fight to abolish the IRS, to actually cut spending, not send $40 billion to Ukraine to fight some proxy war against Russia. You know, if we want to go after Russia, then go after Russia. Don't gaslight the American people into thinking, oh, we're doing it for everyday Ukrainians. Who, are... Yeah, no, 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 no. This is about the military-industrial complex trying to fight this proxy war with Russia. And why are they trying to do it? Think about how much money they stand to gain from that $40 billion. This isn't direct aid. This isn't a stimulus check. This isn't going into the bank accounts and and all of those things of the Ukrainian people. This is being used to buy weapons. This is being used to fight this war. And who profits from all of this? The very people that folks like rhinos love. The folks that they love, the same people that donate to their campaign accounts, the same people that, you know, give them countless dollars and, and all the money in the world. Those are the types of people that want to send $40 billion to Ukraine. Not because they actually give a damn about everyday Ukrainians or what's happening in the country, but because they want to cash a check. They want to cash a check. That's their incentive. That's their motive. And they try to lie and pretend. They try to like emotion, emotionalize the entire issue and say, well, if you're against this, then you must hate people in Ukraine or you must, you know, absolutely, you know, be, a, you know, a Russian sympathizer. And it's like, no, none of that actually. I actually um, believe that Russia is not our friend. Um, But I also believe that America has far too many problems in our own backyard to be worried about fighting wars, either in person, on the ground, or via proxy, as we currently are, um, than than just actually just dealing and addressing the issues that are happening within our own borders, or even outside of it. I mean, directly outside of it, right? The southern border, where people are literally running across our border like it's a I don't know, like buy one, get one free sale at your local boutique or, you know, clothing store. Like you have people literally storming our borders like every single day. And Democrats aren't talking about that. The left isn't talking about it. Republicans are trying to, but they're not actually doing anything about it right now. Like, and and sure, I'll give us, you know, I'll cut us some slack. We don't have the White House. This is a Joe Biden created crisis. Yes. Um, but there are also tons of people in the Republican Party at one point who were like, well, the wall's too expensive. But sending $40 billion to Ukraine isn't too expensive. So 
actually securing our border, ensuring that fentanyl isn't killing children and other people, ensuring that, you know, I don't know, terrorist attacks don't occur, that, you know, illegal aliens aren't killing American citizens, isn't worth the expense, but sending $40 billion to a country that is notoriously corrupt, for the record. And, and by the way, everyone used to recognize this as a fact that like, this isn't partisan at all, for the record. This is just a matter of fact. Everyone used to recognize that Ukraine was literally one of the most corrupt nations in the world. The New York Times even wrote an article about it talking about how corrupt Ukraine and its history of leaders are. Even President Zelensky, and, and, and even worse, the president before, I think it was President Yankovic. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, like just notorious corruption has always been a part of the Ukrainian story. And so it's like, but now we're just like, hey, here's a blank check to go you know, do what you will with it, and we trust you. Uh, and what's interesting about that $40 billion, and this happened in the Senate this past week, and again, all relates back to the, the point that I first made in, in, in the beginning and in the, in the title of this podcast here, why it's important to elect conservatives, America first conservatives, and not just Republicans. Rand Paul said, okay, you know, if we want to send $40 billion to Ukraine to fight or whatever, okay, cool. Well, I want to safeguard in this bill. I want to make sure that we have an independent audit or an inspector general um, was the exact language he used, um, to make sure that this money is being used the way in which it was supposed to be, the way in which we are intending for it to be used. I just want to make sure there's a check and balance here. There's a little bit of oversight. And so he basically, you know, goes on the Senate floor. He's like, this is all I want. It's all I need. Let's add this to the bill. Let's make sure this is a part of the bill so that, you know, this isn't skirted, that we know for a fact that we are going to know that this money is being used the way in which we have appropriated for. Because this is our this is our money. This is taxpayer dollars. Let's make sure we're actually using it for what it's used for. And this was a big problem for a lot of his colleagues. They thought, you know, this was grandstanding. This was, you know, this was ridiculous for him to make this request and all of these things. And it's just like, wait, so it's ridiculous to have oversight for $40 billion? If I give someone $100 for a specific thing, I want to know that they spent that $100 the way they said they were going to spend it. Nevertheless, uh, $40 billion, like this is exactly what I mean. There's too many people in Washington and Congress who may have an R behind their name, but are not our friend, not our ally, don't give a damn about you or I or the America First agenda, and we should not treat them with kitty gloves. We should call them out. Every single person in Congress, every single person who calls himself a fiscal conservative, quote unquote, who voted for $40 billion to go to Ukraine in an un- moderated, with no oversight, all of those things, those people don't get to call themselves a fiscal conservative anymore. And they surely as hell don't get to call themselves an America first conservative. They don't. Not one bit, not at all. And I don't mince my words when I say that. People say that's divisive. We need to have a big tent. You know, there's room for everyone in the Republican Party. Uh, yeah, there are, but there's not room for people who absolutely betray the values they claim to profess every single day. Like, you don't get to say, oh, I'm a fiscal conservative, oh, I believe in smaller government, when every single vote that you take seemingly seems to grow the size of government and also seems to grow our national debt, our deficit. And just spending it haphazardly because you don't give a damn because it's not your money. It's not coming out of your bank account. It's coming out of the taxpayer dollars. You don't care because it's not affecting you. And so that's my issue here, right? 
we need like all this big 10 stuff is great i believe that we should be going to communities that we have never gone into black neighborhoods asian neighborhoods latino neighborhoods and talking to them about republican solutions how it's gonna make their life better because we know for a fact that our ideas are better ideas and when it comes to economic mobility when it comes to actually helping black people and other people of color and other minority communities escape the statistics that define us and all of those things that we know that economic opportunity is the pathway to do that um, and there's only one party that ever actually facilitates economic opportunity, and it is the Republican Party. Um, we don't need to betray our own values to grow the party, to get moderates to vote for us, to get black people to vote for us, to get white people or Asians or Latinos or the Jews or whoever. We just need to actually stay true to the things that we so allegedly believe, right? Like, I think, I think. I know where I stand on this issue. I know that if I were in Congress, I wouldn't have voted for $40 billion. Why? Because I don't think that I could actually, in good faith, put fiscal conservative on my website or on a mailer or in a text message or tweet it without absolutely laughing at myself if I had voted for such an atrocious bill, right? So that is what I mean. And, 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 and that all goes into what we're seeing across the country with elections, you know, of course, with the midterm elections and PA, you know, in case you can't tell, I guess I probably made it pretty clear. My favorite there is Kathy Barnett. Um, you know, I respect the Trump, the, the Trump endorsement. I work for a Trump endorsed candidate. Um, and, I, you know, it, it is what it is. But I believe that Dr. Raj doesn't have enough of a record um, to just really convince me that he is not going to switch up on us. And I think Kathy, from all the tweets I've seen from 2014, 2015, she has been a rock hard soldier. And I know that I do this a lot, right? Like 2015 sounds like it was so recent because it's just like, I can't believe it's 2022, right? Like I think about that all the time. I was like, oh, I was doing this in 2018. And it sounds like it was like yesterday. Um, but 2015 was actually, what, like seven years ago? For like, so the past seven years, we have a like a history, like a literal like internet history of Kathy Barnett being an America firster, being anti-globalist, being pro-Trump, pro-America first. And now there are people just saying, oh, that's not enough. What's not enough? Because I know that seven years ago, there are a lot of people who weren't that quick to get on the Trump train. And I'm not going to say that I was perfect either. Like, guys, like I, I support Ted Cruz in the primary. I had my I had my doubts. But the president proved me wrong. And the president showed that he was the best president in American history. And that's that. And I was also like 13. So I think I have a little bit of leeway to be wrong sometimes, uh, if you may. But, um, but that's beside the point. The fact is that just a few years ago, you have Dr. Oz on TV talking about how we need to be compassionate about, you know, kids getting sex changes. And then you also have him talking about Black Lives Matter in just the most sympathetic way. And then it's just like, uh, like, I don't know if this is what our party needs. And I understand there's a personal relationship between him and the president. So I get that, you know, friends are friends. And that honestly speaks to loyalty to the president. So kudos to the president for staying by his friend. Um, but I think for us, for me, as an American first conservative, <laughs> oops, sneeze there. Um, a little impromptu moment. Yeah, that's the thing I love about Colin. It's like, it's not like, this is like live. So you guys literally just heard me sneeze because I'm outside recording actually today. It's such a nice day, but the pollen in Georgia is just actually unrivaled. So yeah, but actually the point I was making, uh, credit to the president for saying by his friend. Um, but you know, to Dave McCormick, I, I don't know enough about him. And, but what I do know about him is I know that he is a hedge fund guy and that he's, um, you know, had a successful business career or whatever. But outside of that, I don't know enough about him, and I don't think that we should be. Um, and, and I don't know if a hedge fund guy is what we need in Washington right now. You know, Mitt Romney is a hedge fund guy, 
Um, and I think that we see exactly what we got with that. So I don't even think I need to dedicate any more time to explaining why maybe just maybe we need more fighters um, who know how to be on the battlefield and not just people who know how to wear a Brooks Brothers suit. Um, but that's that. And then I think in other states, you know, where I'm seeing in North Carolina, I don't really have an opinion on that Senate election. Um, so I'm going to defer to the president on that, Ted Budd. Of course, this is a Norris candidate. But I do love Mark Walker. Uh, I think he's a great guy. I think that, you know, and, and also, too, like, to be real here, I was talking to this with a friend of mine who works for um, Herschel Walker. Um, and we were having this conversation, and I was like, you know, like, honestly, a lot of these people are going to vote the same way. And he was like, and uh, actually, he made that point. I was like, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, a lot of people are going to vote the same way. But I think that what we see, and you see it with Liz Cheney, you see it with Mitt Romney, you see it with John McCain, is that it's about when they don't vote the same way is the most notable. Because it's like, if you vote for me 90% of the time, that's great, right? Like, you know, it's good. Like, because everyone has them on their own, whatever. But when you betray your friends, your family, your party, when they need you most, I think that's notable. So it's like, I get like the argument that people make, oh, well, like, okay, we're all going to vote the same way. So it's not like you can really make a wrong choice by voting for either that person or that person. But how are they going to vote when the left is trying to call President Trump an insurrectionist? How are they going to vote? when it comes to actually repealing Obamacare, because that's what we've been running on since 2014. When I first worked on my first ever campaign, I was knocking on doors and literally telling people that if you send us back to Congress or if you give us the majority that we're going to repeal Obamacare, and it took how long for that to happen? How long? Right. So that's the point I'm making. I think that, it, you know, friends are not just friends during the good times, during the good days, during the easy votes. They're friends during the hard votes. They're friends during the times when the media is turned against you, uh, when, the, when the narrative maybe is not the most sympathetic to your cause or your agenda. They're there with you in the foxhole. Liz Cheney wasn't there for us in the foxhole. Mitt Romney is never there for us in the foxhole. Adam Kissinger, never there for us in the foxhole. All of these people who claim to be just so self-righteous and conservative and loving America are never there for us in the foxhole, right? All these rhino Republicans never there for us in the foxhole. And that's what I mean. So when I look at North Carolina, you know, I, I actually think I really don't have to say I think Mark Walker or Ted Bud would be great. Ted Bud's a Trump endorsed candidate, so do with that what you will. But, you know, whatever. Uh, in Georgia, of course, a little biased here. Herschel Walker all the way for Senate. Uh, I think he's great. I think he's going to defeat Warnock. I'm absolutely going to drag him, and it's going to be incredible. And I know Herschel is going to be an incredible U.S. Senator. Now I go to the University of Alabama, so you know when I'm saying good things about a Georgia Bulldog that I must actually mean them. So definitely take that um, uh, as a pound of gold because you know how that rivalry goes, especially after they um, – after this past football season, you know, it still actually hurts me a little, but I always make sure whenever I go to a Herschel event, whenever I see him, I'm always wearing an Alabama polo because I just need to make it like, just make it clear, you know, like, you know, Hey, roll, roll, Hers roll Herschel, but like roll tight too. So, um, Herschel will be great. Of course, in the governor's race rooting for David Perdue, I think that, you know, he is going to do incredibly well. I think he's going to overperform these polls that have come out. I think that what we're seeing in Georgia right now is actually a, crazy record-breaking um, early voter turnout that we haven't seen since 2018. And so um, I think that a lot of these polls aren't accounting for that. I don't think they're talking to the people that are actually turning out right now. And I think that um, when you think about the polling and what I've seen, and also the early vote count, Republicans are actually leading Democrats in early voting, which is almost kind of unheard of. Like Democrats love to early vote, Republicans love to vote election day. 
Um, so I'm very curious to see if we see a record on election day or if we're just seeing a majority of people already cast their votes during early voting. That remains to be seen. However, what we do know for a fact is that I don't think that Brian Kemp's supporters are all that eager to just randomly vote, right? Like if they haven't voted since 2018, why would they vote now? There's no reason to for them, right? But Purdue supporters have looked at a governor like Brian Kemp, who's still in the sidelines of the election integrity fight, who has absolutely betrayed the president um, in every which way possible. Um, and those are the people I feel like that have a point to prove, who are very eager to vote, who probably voted on the first day of early voting because they were like, I want to vote for David Purdue right now. I can't wait another day. Um, and so I think that because of that, David Purdue is going to overperform the polls. I think it's going to go to a runoff. And I think in that runoff, when it's one-on-one, I think that – David Purdue is going to go for broke, and I think that he is going to leave it all out in the field and that he will do very, very well. Uh, for Secretary of State, you know, this is actually a very surprising race for me, especially as someone from Georgia and having spent um, all last summer on the campaign trail and about to do the same this summer. Um, Red Raffensperger looks like that race may get a runoff, but also to the point I just made about Purdue. I also think that a lot of these polls are not accounting for these Trump voters who just don't actually vote all the time unless there really is a reason to vote. Um, if they really feel as if that our country is in trouble or if the president has mobilized them in a real way. And I think that President Trump, because of his focus on Georgia, is turning out a lot of his party, a lot of his faithful base. They don't feel the need to vote in every election. Um, right. And so I think that Jody Heiss will also perform. But as of now, the polling looks like it will go to a runoff. I don't know. Again, what I've seen on the ground is nothing like that. I see people absolutely disgusted with Brad Raffensperger. Um, but it looks as if that he's showing at least a little bit um, signs of life. So I guess we'll see what happens there. The AG race in Georgia, uh, I'm going to bet on Chris Carr um, in that race. Um, I think that he is just going to win. Um as far as the, um, we have insurance commissioner, Patrick Witt, he's a friend, rooting for him, hope he wins. Um, and yeah, of course, when it comes to congressional races, uh, Georgia 6, of course, Donald Trump just endorsed uh, Jake Evans for there. Another America First guy who's going to be an incredible part of this freshman class that's coming in. Um, that race also looks like it's going to go to a runoff. There's going to be a lot of runoffs in Georgia. So all of you folks in Georgia, or those of you folks not in Georgia, just absolutely count your blessings because that means you don't have to you know, change your channel every time a political commercial goes on. Your mailbox is going to be full of mailers and your text messages won't be blowing up with people telling you to go vote. So count your blessings there. People in Georgia will not have it nearly as easy as many of you. Um, and so that is definitely something to be thankful for. But to those in Georgia, um, and especially those in Georgia 10, a little biased here. Again, I work for Representative Vernon Jones. Um, yeah, I think Vernon Jones is going to be a great congressman in Georgia 10. He is the Trump endorsed candidate, the only America first candidate in this race. Um, and he's ran a campaign about the issues and about the people. Um, while other candidates in this race have focused on mudslinging and running the same playbook against Vernon that the left tried to use to destroy the lives of Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh and Donald Trump, um, Vernon has risen above it all. And he is just focused on how he's going to abolish the IRS, how he's going to fight for term limits, and how he's going to cut spending. Um, like, absolutely actually help people, which I thought campaigns were supposed to be about, but sometimes I guess we forget about that in this crazy world of politics. But again, rooting for Vernon, uh, you know, as an insider to that race, I can tell you that that race is going to get to a runoff based on everything I've seen, um, polling lies on the ground. Um, but I think there may be a surprise on Election Day um, that hasn't been talked about yet. So 
excited to see that and excited for you guys to see that as well. Um, beyond that, though, um, that's pretty much it for Georgia as far as the big races go. But I think, you know, I wanted to do this election episode even before Georgia's election because, I, you know, we're really close. I think we're, we're nine days out from here in Georgia. And of course, we're just a few days out from the elections in PA and Pennsylvania. Um, and I just wanted to really hammer in the point, guys. Like, again, we don't need to just worry about electing Republicans, right? Because if we don't have a Republican majority that knows how to fight, that doesn't know how to win, that doesn't know how to have courage and conviction, then it's just as good as elected a Democrat. We need people who know how to win. We need people who know how to absolutely um, fight. And I think that the people that I've talked about, Blake Masters is in Arizona, who's running a really great campaign, running a really cool campaign, um, and other folks I've talked about throughout this episode, the Kathy Barnett's and all those people, those are the fires we need. Um, and those are the people that are going to actually fight to put the Trump agenda back in an action, back in emotion. Um, because that's what we need, guys. The left is not going to pull any punches, especially not now with Roy v. Wade um, very close to being overturned. Um, they are going for broke. And we, we, and we see that by the fact that they literally, unprecedentedly, leaked an entire Supreme Court opinion. That's never happened before. Why do they do it? Because they want to inflame every single person um, in America. Most of the issue, they want to create this culture war. They want to create a civil war, to be quite frank. Um, and we're going to need people who are able to fight in the arena of ideas uh, and in the Senate, in the House, in state legislatures and governor's mansions who know how to fight and know how to win. Um, and who are going to back down because their corporate backers tell them to and are going to fight because they know that America is on the line. Um, so that's what I say. People are like, oh, you're voting for me because he's Republican now. I'm voting for the person that I endorse, whoever I support. And you can always take this to the bank with me. The person I'm voting for is the person I believe is going to be most effective to putting forth the America First agenda and who I believe has the courage to actually fight and win. Um, and so... You can always believe that, you know, I'm not going to always endorse the easy one. Like I've seen that and I've seen some people on Twitter, like talking about like Trump should have endorsed Doug Mastriano because he's too conservative. What the hell does that even mean? Like, what the hell does that mean? Like, why are we literally saying, why are we scared to actually like support people that actually believe in what we believe? Doug Mastriano fought harder than anyone in the country, uh, at least a lot of people, um, for election integrity, like literally fought so hard for it. Um, and now people are saying, oh, well, Trump shouldn't endorse him. Trump should stab him in the back, even though Doug Mastriano stood by the president um, because, oh, he's too conservative. No, I don't buy that. I don't believe it. I think it's wrong. And I think that's the reason why we lose, because we're too scared to back our own. You don't see people in New York or people on the, on the Democrats saying, oh, don't support AOC. Don't support Elon Omar. No, they support them wholeheartedly. Why? Because they actually energize the base. They energize their base. Um, you know, for all the god-awful things that both of those people believe, Alon Omar and AOC, they do a very good job at energizing the people that support them. And I think that that's what we need in this party more than ever. We need energy. We don't need Romney. We don't need McCain. We don't need Boring. We need winners. We need people just like President Trump in every single chamber of Congress, in every single state legislature, in every single governor's mansion, because that is how we fight and win the culture war. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode two of the CJ Peterson Show. I'll be back next week for episode three. And I cannot wait to see you guys there. We're going to be available every single place you get your podcast. Of course, that's Apple Podcasts, that's Spotify, it's SoundCloud. It is everywhere. And of course, as always, exclusively on the Colin app right here. Tell your friends to download, be sure to subscribe, and I will see you guys next week.
and I cannot wait.